The title for today is The Holy Spirit's Discipline and the Results of the Holy Spirit's Discipline. Acts 5, 1 through 11. But I'm going to start off with a song. We used to do, as you know, I was a youth pastor for 10 years. And we had a song. I know the worship team's always recruiting me. No, no, I only do it up here. <coughs> so it was called, When the Spirit Says Move, You Better Move. All right? So you've got you to gotta help me with it. Remember that one? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try. When the Spirit says move, you better move. Ooh, ooh. Come on. When the Spirit says move, you better move. When the Spirit says move, you better move, oh Lord. When the Spirit says move, you better move. Uh, move, uh, move, uh, uh. There's one, one, then two. Okay. Come on, come on. <clears throat> Keep up. Uh, all right, here we go. When the Spirit says laugh, you better laugh. Ha, ha. When the Spirit says laugh, you better laugh. When the, you guys are good. When the Spirit says laugh, you better laugh, oh Lord. When the Spirit says laugh, you better laugh. Ha, laugh, ha, laugh. <laughs> Todd got it. Todd got it. Okay. All right. All right, all right. That, uh, there's lots of verses, but I'll just put the, the last one. When the Spirit says listen, you better listen. When the Spirit says listen, you better listen. When the Spirit says listen, you better listen, oh Lord. When the Spirit says listen, you better listen, listen, listen. And that's all quiet. All right, all right, all right. All right. We're going to see today that we'd better listen to the Holy Spirit. We'd better really listen to Him, the Holy Spirit, or else, all right? Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for all that are here and all that are watching live or watching later on, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would really speak to us. We respond to your Holy Spirit. And if anybody has not responded to your spirit and, and, and the conviction and been saved, put their faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that they would do that now, today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so last time we saw how the believers shared in the Spirit, remember? And we saw how Barnabas was an encouraging example. He sold the field and gave it all away. And then we go from a great example in Barney to a bad example with a couple of bad apples in Ananias and Sapphira. All right? No mistake. The Holy Spirit weaves everything together. It went from the positive to the negative. And it's a warning here. Well, well I'll read it. Let's read the passage first of all. Acts chapter, <clears throat> Acts chapter 5, verse 1. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? She, yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Woo. Now you see why not many people showed up live today uh, on, on, for the service. This is going to be a tough one. <clears throat> but listen, 
Everything has been going great. We were in the book of Acts. Even the persecution, they got through it. Everything's going great, great, great. And all of a sudden, wham. God says, not so fast. You, there's, you must deal with some poison in, in the midst, first of all. There's some poison. There's, there's cancer that needs to be chemoed in the body of Christ. And he, he exposes this. And look what they did. Look, let's read verses 1 and 2 again. Now, a man named Ananias, let's look at what they really did. Together with his wife, Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Why did they lie? Why did they lie, right? They were probably led by the Holy Spirit to sell the property and give, just like Barnabas. They probably were led to do that. But then they had seller's regret. You've heard of buyer's regret. This is seller's regret, right? And so they, the, the greed sets in, but they still wanted to be praised, just like Barnabas. Barnabas was well, you know, famous because of what he did. He really encouraged people. It sparked people to give, and they wanted to be praised like that. So it, we see greed and wanting to be praised by men being what caused them to lie to the Holy Spirit, to go against the Holy Spirit is what they did. We see this pretty regular today in the USA Today. I don't know if you follow the stories, but uh, pastors, they did a survey of evangelical pastors. These are Christian pastors. Uh, and they, they said, what is, George Barn, I believe it was, what are the two top criteria for success in your ministry? Attendance and giving. How many people sit in the pews, sit, sit in the chairs, sit, sit wherever on their couches, live stream? Uh, how many people and how much money is given? What is the focus? <coughs> Praise of men and greed. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And how could that be the criteria for success? You could fill up any church if you want to make it you know, easy enough or fun enough or, or you know, you know, not deal with anything biblical. You, know, you could do it. You can make it glitzy and glam. And, and it's simple, easy. But you, what you produce is a false fruit, a false fruit. It looks good to the outside, but it's nothing. And, and, and that's what most pastors focus on. And so they're afraid to preach the word because they'll lose people and they'll lose money. And they are very careful. I have good friends. I, I try to shake them sometimes. They're, they're functioning as false teachers. They, they believe the truth, but they function as false teachers because they won't preach the truth. And that is the America, that's why the church is such a mess in the USA today. You wonder why the country's a mess? It's because the church is a mess. And you, know, and, and you wonder why the, the, church, the church is going to need discipline. It's not just the country is going to be judged. The church is going to be. It's time for judgment to begin with the family of God. It's coming. Mark my words. It's coming. Verses 3 and 4. Let's jump to the next one. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourselves some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. Look at that. When we lie to the Holy Spirit, we're lying to God. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are used interchangeably in, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament and a lot of places in the Old Testament. But, the, but when we lie to the Holy Spirit, we're lying to God himself. 
He was not required to sell this field. He wasn't required to give the money if he sold the field. He wasn't required to do that. <clears throat> it was, it was uh, voluntary. It was a voluntary, premeditated lie. A voluntary, premeditated lie. And look at the source. What is the source of this lie? Peter brings that out through the Holy Spirit. Satan. Satan is the source of the lie. Satan. Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44, Jesus himself said, Do you not belong to your father, the devil? And do you not want to carry out your father's desire? He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of of lies remember that the next time that you want to tell a lie remember when lying or living a lie or every lie that you believe from the world we are just going along with satan there we're following satan he is the ultimate source the root of it all then verses 5 to 10 where it says we see the next section here and I'm trying to read with one eye still. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Deadly, there are deadly consequences to lying to God or about God or believing lies about God. There are deadly consequences even lying about god there's a lot of lies being told about god today and there god is love god is only love uh no no god is holy first he's just first and because he is holy is just then he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us but first he is holy and just that is what he is. And that is scary. We are supposed to fear the Lord. He's not this warm, fuzzy grandpa waiting for us to climb up in his lap like Santa Claus. He, he, he's, he does love us. Don't get me wrong. Awesome to be in a love relationship. But first, we are to fear the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're to fear God. That is the first thing. And when I, when, we, when I see what is going on in the church in the USA today, the lies that are being told over and over again being told, I am terrified. I am terrified. When I see churches with rainbow flags out front, you know, and when, when I hear about how divorce and remarriage is just widely accepted in churches, not the wrong person who did all they could to save that marriage, but I'm talking about just people who just divorce their spouse for any and every reason, and, and they just go to the next evangelical church and they marry them. I've visited churches where, where I knew someone was, where we had disciplined, years ago I remember we had disciplined somebody, and I visited another church and they were a member in good standing at that next church there was no nobody what is that you know and, and when i when i see that we just everything is okay god is all love it, that is that is lying and i'm, I'm terrified what i see I, I see this word of faith movement that is the biggest movement in the church in america today the word of faith that you know, name it claim it health wealth and you see these guys on tv and they just 
preach about how you just give the money. You just have the faith and give that money. It's all about money. And, and, it's, and, it's a, and, and, and if you just have the right faith, then you can tell God what you want. You can demand it. You can have anything. And if you don't have it, you just don't have the faith. And send me $100, and I'll make sure you have that faith. You know, it's crazy, these word of faith. Most of the TV preachers are frauds, fake. I remember I was invited to a, years ago, I was invited to a prayer meeting by a friend of mine. And he was in a group of, of Word of Faith pastors, and I didn't know it. He invited me to this prayer meeting. And I get there, and the, 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 the head honcho at this prayer meeting was, a, was a, 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 an experienced Word of Faith guy. And he was actually teaching the, those younger pastors, and I was one of them, he was teaching us how to scam the people. He didn't call it scam. He said, you should have, and he goes, he told them how to stack the elder board and get what you want and how you can have all this money. And these guys were all wearing, this is a prayer meeting. They were in these suits, you know. I, I, you know, they were all wearing brand new, these fancy suits. They all had these pinky rings on. They all had fancy cars. On. It was crazy. I'm like, <clears throat> where am I, in a cult, you know? And, and they, these were the biggest churches in the area. They're massive. And, 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 I, and they kept, and he was telling them how, to, how you should all have this much money, and this is how all your family can get the money too, and they should all be you know, getting this. It was crazy what he was saying. And as he's talking, I'm not kidding, I started getting sick to my stomach. I, I felt pain, just pain. And I just, I literally like ended up bending over, just bending over, praying. I was in so much pain. It was such horrible, horrible things he was saying in the name of Christ. And I'll never forget, they go, are you okay? You know, do we need to pray for you? You know, yeah, I, I go... I go, I just can't believe, I said, I just can't, this is my first time there, I was the youngest guy there, I go, I just can't believe what I'm hearing. This is false teaching. You are, you are false teachers, and you are going to be judged by God if you don't repent. This is brutal. You know, this is, you guys are under God's judgment, and it's going to hit you like a brick. And, and I go, and listen, I, I just want to warn you, you better turn, they, they said, oh, boy, thank you for sharing that with us. You know, you know thank you. We're going to all repent. Not. <laughs> they said, why, you little sniveling. We know what you got. You know, well, we've heard your kind before. Get out of here now. And they, like, mocked me and, you know, cursed me. Not curse words, but in God's, in God's anger. You know, get out of here right now. And, and I, you know, you know, we, you know just, oh, you, they would have stoned me if they had stones. They were mad. I got out of there. I knew I had to say something. I said it. I had peace about it. My friend went out with me. I go, he goes, uh, I said, thanks for inviting me. You know, he goes, thanks for getting me kicked out too. You know? But he called me like a week later. He said, you're not really what happened. That pastor that you confronted and gave a prophetic word to, uh, he, he had a heart attack. Bad heart attack. He almost died. When he was able to get out of the hospital, he went right to the next church service, and he repented in front of the whole church. He repented in front of the whole church. This, this is what is going on all over the country. And when we look at the res- we look at the result of God's discipline, the Holy Spirit's discipline. We see what that pastor did, what he wants us to do. Verse eleven: Great fear seized the whole church, and all who heard about these events. That is the whole purpose 
is the fear of the Lord seizes us. That is healthy when that happens. When, it, when we're seized by the fear of the Lord. Why, why God's discipline is so vital. That's why the church discipline is so vital. It keeps the church healthy. If we don't practice church discipline, if we don't practice it, it will end up haunting the church. It will end up haunting any church. It will paralyze the church. It will split the church. The church will, will be judged if we don't do that. That's what will happen. I've just seen it happening at Karen University. I don't know if you've been following the story. It's going to be a national news. It's going to be a national news, Karen University. They have allowed toxic cancer in their, in their school for years in their social work major. Their social work teachers, not all of them, there's a few adjuncts that are solid, but the vast majority are not Christians. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. And, and they have allowed them to poison so much of that school over years. I've been praying for years that God would discipline and judge that part of it. And sure enough, they finally, it finally hit the fan last couple of weeks. They, uh, they, the, the, the school, the trustees, the president, they took a courageous stand. They, they were told in order to keep their social work accreditation, they were going to have to not just allow some things that to be taught that should have never been taught there, but they were going to have to affirm those things. And you can connect the dots. They had to affirm these things. Social justice. And all that comes with it. <clears throat> all the sexual sin that comes with it. All the wackiness that comes with it. The perversions that come with it. And they said, no, we're not going to. We're going to drop the program. They're going to drop it. Thank God they did it. But man, did it hit the fan. It's going to be in the news. This is going to be national news, guaranteed, because the, the people that are getting let go, who should have never been allowed in a Christian school, and the students that, that were brainwashed under them, and not all, we have some great social work majors here from there that have took, took a courageous stand there and stood against it year after year. And some of the adjunct professors did the same. But, but those other students that were brainwashed, that are cancers, and they've been writing these letters to the media and to the alumni. And I've read these letters, and I've been ashamed for the name of Jesus Christ, that, that these people claim they're Christians, saying they're living these lives, antichrist lives, and they're Christians, as good as Christian as any, and, and attacking the school for taking a biblical stand. Vicious, horrible, demonic Letters that are being written. But that's, I prayed for years. I'm so thankful it was exposed. But that, many schools are in that same place. They need to, to do chemo, spiritual chemo. They need to do it. They need to do it. God is setting a powerful example here in Acts chapter 4. He's saying you are not going anywhere until you are holy. Remember the song they had saying? Holiness is what I need. That's the first first part of that song we're not going anywhere until we're holy nowhere there are bad apples that are rotting it and that is what growing up on the farm we had apple orchards and sure enough we would keep the apples over the winter and we'd keep them on the back shed or in the cellar and we'd go to eat them later on and and if there was one apple that rotted one bad apple that rotted you would i never forget we'd be all excited to eat our apples Got another bushel of apples there, and we'd reach in to eat it, and it was the bottom was rotten. And then we'd trace it too, and there was one rotten apple that spread through the whole bushel of apples, just ruined them all. And that's what happens with one bad apple. 
And, and, and that's why here there was bad out. There was a toxin. There was Ananias and Sapphira. There's a, there's here at the start of the church, this is the first time in the book of Acts or in the New Testament that the word church is used for the, for the body of Christ. First time. The word in Greek is ecclesia. It means assembly. It's used for the local church or the universal church in the, in the Bible. But God is making a clear statement. First time we mention church. And the New Testament church is not moving forward until it's holy and been disciplined. We saw the same thing happen when Israel was starting out. When Israel was starting out, they came out of Egypt and Exodus. And we get to Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1 to 3. No accident that right at the beginning of the, them coming out and, and forming a new nation. Verse 1, Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense. And they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Moses then said to Aaron, This is what the Lord spoke of when he said, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people, I will be honored. Aaron remained silent. I'll bet he did. It happened again when the Israelites went into the promised land. They're going to get ready to go into the promised land. And they're getting to go, ready to go in, and they cross the river, and they take uh, Jericho, and then something terrible happened. Uh, it's called Achan's sin. Remember Achan's sin? Remember we talked about that when we went through the book of Joshua in chapter 7, verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver underneath it. Achan had stolen some of the plunder that God said to destroy. He hid it in his tent. He kept it hidden sin. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Those, the very thing that he had hidden had caused Israel to be defeated, their army to be defeated. Many people were killed because of his sin. Verse 24, Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold wedge, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Achor, which means trouble. Joshua said, Why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Acre ever since. God is love. If you think God is only love, you don't know God. You've invented your own God. God is holy. He's just. And because of that, he sacrifices one and only son to die on a cross, to be tortured in our place. God is holy. God is holy. Sometimes when our sin only, we see, so we see when the church is getting started, we see when Israel was getting started, we see when they, the promised land, the new nation of Israel is getting started, God had to deal with the very same thing. Sometimes when our sin only affects us, which is bad enough, it's, the discipline is a little different. But when our sin affects the body of Christ, like Achan's sin, like, like uh, Ananias and Sapphira, it must be disciplined. And either we practice church discipline or God will do it. And let me tell you, when God spanks, it's a lot harder. When God disciplines, it's a lot more severe. I know many people think I'm crazy many times when, when, I, when we practice church discipline because you don't realize... A lot of people resist me on it, but, but you don't realize how serious it is. We don't do it for every little thing, 
But something serious that's affecting the body of Christ or it's affecting somebody's family, they're hurting people. When that happens, you have to practice church discipline. And a lot of, a lot of times people get upset with me. Why are you doing this? Or because they don't realize how serious it is or they don't know all the facts. A lot of people, I don't tell everybody all the facts when we discipline someone. I don't want to air somebody's dirty laundry. I want to make it easy for them to come back again. You have to trust leadership, the elders and myself. You have to trust us because you don't know all the facts, but it's very important to understand it's our responsibility. It's my responsibility. Acts chapter 20. In Acts chapter 20, verse 25 to 27, listen to what Paul says. His Ephesian elders farewell address. He says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the word of God will ever see me again. Therefore, Therefore, I declare to you today that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Wow. There's a lot of pastors with blood on their hands, isn't there? They're not preaching the whole word. They preach Swiss cheese Bibles. They don't confront sin that is damaging the body of Christ or people's lives. They don't confront it. And it, it, it's our responsibility, my responsibility, and it's, your, and it's your responsibility as a church to back me up, to back the elders up. That's your job. So often, you know what people say to me when I, we try to do church discipline? Yeah, but he's my friend. He's my, he's my friend. You know, uh, and I say to them, if you really care about them, you'll tell them the truth. If you don't tell them the truth, then they're not your friend. It's a, you're a fake friend. It's not just my job. It's your job to speak the truth and love to them. Or I, I had another person. We did church discipline on somebody who we found out was a sexual predator. And some of you remember when this happened. And I remember I had to put out the words of the church. No, no contact with this guy. Stay away from him. He, home fellowship. I told his home fellowship, stay away from him. I'll never forget somebody from his home fellowship. It was a woman who had several daughters. And she... she said, uh, I'm not going to listen to you. He's, my, he's our friend. He's our friend. Uh, I'm like thinking, this guy, your daughters are in danger, and you're going to keep hanging out with him. You know, well, how stupid is that, right? You know, uh, are you that stupid? Seriously? Uh, foolish. I'll use the word foolish. That's the biblical word. But anyway, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was crazy. Uh, he, he's our friend. And, and that family is now, that family and the husband won't listen either. That family is now a spiritual mess. They're not here anymore, long gone. Spiritual mess. That's not surprising. They had hard hearts and hard heads, and they, and they wouldn't listen. They ignored the Holy Spirit's discipline in the body of Christ. It's crazy. Uh, the church in the USA today is a mess because the church discipline is rare. Shepherds don't love their sheep. That's why. They don't care about their sheep. That's why they don't do it. If you care about the sheep, if you care about your people, you will discipline them. That's because you care about them. You'll tell the truth biblically. I, I know on the farm, we had to do some very hard things to animals to save them. I'm not going to tell you all those stories. But we had to... <laughs> well, but I'll just tell you a couple easy ones. But we had mild ones. But we, we had to do unthinkable things. Why? If we didn't do it, the animals would not survive. I remember 
cow had ate something, some kind of something that shouldn't have eaten out in the pasture, and it was laying outside, and his stomach was blowing up. Was, the cow was going to explode, you know. It literally, it was going to explode. And I remember we had to, the vet said there's, he couldn't get it to work, and finally the vet says, take needles. We had to take needles and stick it into the stomach, long needles, stick it in the stomach, and let the gas out. All right, And that's how we saved that cow. Other cows that we had to get up, they would not get up. If they don't get up, they're gone. They're going to die. They have to get up. And they had, they had milk fever or something, you know, mastitis. None of that means anything to most of you. But anyway, uh, we, we took the, the – we used to have these shockers, these zappers. Uh, uh, and we – Stun gun, kind of like stun gun, but it wasn't meant to stun. It wasn't that strong. It was meant to get them up. We have to, we have to zap them. And I remember we had to zap them. And usually you'd just put it in their rump. You zap them. But if they wouldn't get up, we had to put it in their sensitive places and zap them and zap them. We had to get them up. And if we didn't get them up, we had to drag them, hook a chain to them and drag them down and bury them because they were dead. But we did that because we wanted to save those animals. We wanted to save them. And that whatever it takes... That's what I have to do. That's what the leadership, the elders have to do. That's what you have to do. Whatever it takes. You can't be their friend. You have to confront them in love. doesn't mean you stop loving them, but, but you, have to con- you have to do whatever it takes. How is the Holy Spirit convicting us? How is he speaking to us? You know, we don't have to... Ex- we don't have to face this extreme discipline. We don't have to get zapped. <laughs> we don't have to have the needle shoved in us. If we respond to the Holy Spirit's whisper, if we respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction, we don't have to go through that torture. You know, God wants us to respond to his loving correction. He doesn't want us to have to go through getting hit and hit and hit, you know. He doesn't want us to have to go be rocky, bam, 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 you know. He doesn't want us to have to go through that. He, 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 if we respond to his love, we don't have to go through his severe loving discipline. Very, very important to, to see that. It's vital to respond to God's discipline, to respond to his whisper, to respond to his tap on the shoulder. You know what I'm talking about. Or, or he will take us to the woodshed. Most of you don't know what I'm talking about probably, but the woodshed. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The woodshed, right? And that's where you get the, the real whipping, you know, the real whipping. And, and that is so important that we respond, that we respond, that we learn from it. Uh, it, it, it it's, it's so vital. And I, I've had, I'm telling you, I, over 35 years of ministry now, I have talked to people. Of, I've been, God has had to take me to the woodshed many, many times and met all of us at some time, right? But I've warned some people and I could tell you stories that would be shocking, most of you just do a little snippet, a shocking story where I warn people. I said, if you don't listen, God is warning you here. If you don't listen by the time you get here, you're going to lose so much. You're going to lose everything, including your fellowship with God and, and, and the joys and the blessings. But you're going to lose it all. You're going to lose your kids if you don't discipline them and you don't respond to God's discipline on this you're going to lose your kids you're going to lose your your marriage you're going to lose your business or your job you're going to lose even your life you're going to I have said that I can tell, I see them now you're going to lose everything and that's it some have responded but far too many didn't and that's exactly what happened they lost everything 
they are no longer in their marriage. They've lost it. They've lost their children. They have no connection with them anymore. They've lost, and that can happen anyway, prodigals. I'm, not talking, about, I'm talking about when it's because of our sin. Because of our sin. And we could lose a marriage. I'm talking about because of a sin. Lost their businesses. Some have died. I could tell you unbelievable stories who are, of people who are dead that I warned. And they're dead, dead now. Many, several of them are coming to mind right now. They're dead. And I warned them. I warned them. They, we can either listen. We can listen to the Holy Spirit's warning or the, the, the discipline gets very severe. And we're going to see this more and more. I believe the second coming of Jesus Christ is getting close. And I believe God is refining his church. God is disciplining his church today. Look at the shocking exposures in the church of the USA today. Look at your friends that you thought were really Christians. You're like, what? Wait. wait. You know, celebrity Christians. You know, the guy from D.C. Talk came out to, you know, this week as, as not a real Christian anymore. He's dropping the whole thing. I listened to his music for years and years. It's shocking. Ravi Zacharias is one of the best examples. Shocking examples. But God exposed a fraud. A false teacher. A wolf in sheep's clothing. God exposed him. Exposed him. God is refining his church. And it's vital that we learn from all these things so that we don't make the same mistakes. I, we don't stick in judgment over Ravi. It's just like, God, we, I, we better learn from that. We better learn from it. We better really take this seriously. But we don't need to face that extreme discipline. We can respond to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit uh, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We, we, when he's grieved, we're grieved. We, we feel that conviction. God isn't waiting to zap us. God is not waiting to zap us. He loves us. And he wants what is best for us. And the whole goal of discipline is what? To bring us back into fellowship with him. That's why the world is judged. Oh, no, no, they're going to get judged. But we as Christians, his goal is to bring us back into fellowship. And he'll do anything to bring us back into that fellowship, into that place of correction. Think of your kids. Why do we discipline our kids? Why should we? Because we love them, right? We want them to not make mistakes, the mistakes we made, right? We, want them to, we, want, we don't want them to make those mistakes. We don't want to see them live a life of, you know, an empty life and a, and a, a scarred life and all those things that's why we do it and that's why god does it with us he disciplines us how is he convicting us today how are we living a lie how are we in sin and we think that maybe we're in sin of some kind we think that god won't discipline us oh oh, he will he will he will he will will we respond will we repent will we ask for forgiveness first john 1 9 he's just waiting for us to if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness he's just waiting for us to come to him and ask for forgiveness and then after we ask for forgiveness sometimes it's a stronghold that's so strong that it that we're going to need help breaking it it's one thing to confess it to god but many times we have to confess our sins one to another that's when the when it really breaks often because then we have accountability and we have encouragement very important to do that and maybe you are not a christian yet maybe your first step you're under the holy spirit's conviction and the first step is putting your faith in jesus christ that's the first step john three sixteen. for god so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, given your life to him? We're going to end in prayer for that very thing in just a few moments. And that's what this communion is all about. We're going to celebrate communion now. This is what communion is all about. It's all about staying in fellowship. It's self-examination. It's confession. It's staying in communion. It's staying in communion. This communion just primes the pump. God wants us in communion every day. So when we do it once a month, we're just priming the pump to keep us in communion, to get us back focused again, to, to get the daily confession and daily communion, and to respond to the Holy Spirit. This is just to help us be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That's what it's all about. It's so that we won't fall away, so we examine ourselves, so we won't fall away, so we won't fall into deeper sin, so that we don't need God's discipline. That is the whole focus of communion. A lot of times we miss that. First Corinthians eleven twenty three, talking about the Lord's Supper. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, we often stop there, don't we? Therefore, but therefore is therefore a reason, all right? Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. That means death. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. With the world. Wow. COVID. We have taken extreme measures to not get COVID or to not spread COVID, right? We've isolated for the past year. We've stayed away from risky people or risky situations, places. We have masked up. Uh, I still see people uh, uh, masked up. People have worn helmets. I don't know if you saw the newest thing. They have these special like space helmets that they, people are wearing. I see people drive, still driving down the highway with a mask on. Still, you know, even though that we know that that's probably not necessary. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear a mask ever. I'm simply saying you don't need to do it if you're driving 55 down the highway. But anyway, uh, but, but we, we see people doing this, but we need to do that same thing spiritually. The same thing we've done for the past year, we should be doing that spiritually. Spiritually. In fact, 1 John 5.19 says this. In 1 John 5.19, it says, find it here. Oh, did I read the wrong thing? No, 19, that's it. Uh, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. The whole world. We're children of God, but the whole world is under his control. Can you see it? Do I have to convince you of that? All right? No, but... But if we only recognize that, and, and we've been so careful of COVID, which we should have been, okay? It was very good that we were very careful, and we, you know, it's good that we did, you know, we're careful because we didn't fully understand it yet and all that, and the emails weren't exposed yet. But anyway, anyway, if, if, only, if only we as Christians treated sin that way, 
If only we treated temptation, if only we treated the world's influences the same way we've treated the COVID virus, right? If only we had done the same thing. If we had only would shut ourselves away from that or, and shut the world out of our lives. If only we did it. If we would take our phones and do whatever, get, throw the phones away if we have to. Whatever we have to do to put guards on that. If we, with the TVs being careful, with the music that we listen to and the social media and the movies and the music and the false teachers that are out there teaching all the time on the TVs and, 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 and the woke celebrity pastors that are spewing their, 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 well, I'm not even going to go into there. But anyway, the, 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 if only we did the same thing spiritually. Think about it, right? We do it for a virus that, you know, could affect us. But think of, we know this stuff will affect us. Much worse, eternally. If only we took the same measures as Christians. That's what communion is a reminder of. We're supposed to do that. That's what communion is a reminder of. What we do, what it is, we take the, the, the bread represents the body of Christ, the cup represents the blood of Christ, and when we take it, we're remembering that Jesus died for us and he shed his blood for us, and, and we need to purify that when in a few moments Todd will come on up, we can come up now, and, uh, and he will start, he'll lead us through this time with some worship and prayer and communion. Uh, there's only two reasons why you shouldn't take it. Number one, if you're not a Christian yet, you're not ready to put your faith in Jesus, wait. Don't take it in an unworthy way. But I hope everybody here, if you aren't a Christian yet, you take that step. Put your faith. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. It can do it now. The second reason, if there's a sin in our life, we say, God, I won't repent of it. I won't repent of it. I won't turn away from that. You can't have it. Don't take it. But I hope that you open that door and say, God, you can have it. I surrender this. You can have everything and anything. I repent. doesn't mean we're perfect, but we've surrendered it, and we've asked God to help us keep fighting this battle. I hope everybody does, because everybody can, but that's between you and God. And, and as we go to this worship in just a moment, if you haven't got one of the little cups in the back, we do it differently now. You can go grab one of those and, and be part of the worship, okay? Let's pray. Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to speak to us now. I know I'm convicted by all kinds of things as I'm speaking. (laughs) We ask your Holy Spirit to convict us now. Is there anything in our life, Lord? Convict us. Let's take this time to praying anything that needs to be repented of, confessed, surrendered, maybe a commitment to act on something that the Holy Spirit is showing us needs to be acted on. while we're praying about that, preparing for that. Maybe you're listening to this and you are convicted because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never given your life to him. You've never acted on God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus now. You can have instant communion with God as your Father now. With the simple but powerful prayer of faith, the gospel prayer, God, please forgive my sin. I repent. Please forgive me. 
everything in my life that goes against your word or your will for my life, I repent. Forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ, your son. In his death on that cross for me, the blood that he shed for me to pay for my sin. I'm putting my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus Christ. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you are now a child of, the, of God. You now have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You think there's conviction. Wait till you get it now. The Holy Spirit's going to be living in you, speaking to you. And you can now commune with God as your Father, starting right now with communion and going on forever. You can always connect with Him anytime. In the name of Jesus. And if you've taken that step of faith, let somebody know. So that they, so we can be excited for you and encourage you and help you grow. Make sure you let somebody know. Me, family member, friend, someone at work, someone at school. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move now in this communion time. In Jesus' name, amen.